Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of It's Our House podcast with me, Chris, and normally I would be with my co-host, Carl, but unfortunately he couldn't join us today, he had some news to attend to, so going it alone, although I'm not alone because I have a fantastic, fantastic guest with us today, really excited, we've got a former TNA, WCW, WWF superstar, pivotal member of the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, but since then, moved into a very different career path with motivational speaking. Everybody welcome. You may know him as Johnny B. Bad. We know him as Mark Mero. Welcome to the show, Mark. Chris, how are you? Thanks for having me on today. No, thank you. Honestly, thank you. It's a pleasure. I know you don't really do interviews and podcasts very often, so we're incredibly privileged to have you join us today. Well, I look forward to this interview. And uh, now you guys are over in the UK, correct? Yes, we are, yes. Oh, wow, it's across the pond. And I, I tell you, some of my favorite times was going over to the UK because you guys are crazy wrestling fans over there, man. It's just, you know, we were, we were always, we were, it seemed like we were always sold out and it was just incredible. They, you know, the, the fans would follow the buses to the next town and it was, it was amazing. I think it's because it's, it's, it feels like a big event when we get WWF or WWE because we don't get it very often. We're not used to it, so it's a big deal when it does happen. Um, so yeah, as I said, thank you so much for joining us. We'll get right into it. Um, normally, we start off by, by talking to our guests about wrestling straight away, but I'm really interested to to hear about sort of your last 18 months because obviously you've moved into motivational speaking since you hung up your boots. Um, but obviously, the last 18 months has been very hard for everybody. How how has COVID impacted you professionally and personally? Has it made has it made your, your current work hard to adapt to? You know, Chris, it's, you know, I, and I also share this, at, whether I'm speaking at a school or corporation, in life, it's not so much about our circumstance or situation, it's how we respond to it. Yeah. And much of the time, much of my life, I had, I've had adverse, uh, I had ad, adverse reflect, reflects, reflecting on, on bad situations in my life. And um, I've just learned to, to, to take it with a different attitude now. And, you know, the COVID has been bad for everybody, some worse than, than others. 
unfortunately, you know, we were, we were averaging 230 events a year around the world um, speaking uh, for the last 14 years until COVID hit. And it was March 12th. I'll never forget it because I was doing a presentation in uh, Atlanta, Georgia for the police department. And um, I remember at that time we were hearing, you know, stories about this, this uh, COVID-19 coming and people getting sick and so on. And uh, I remember my, my director of operations calling me and say, Mark, we just had six cancellations today. And, and it, it just like the, the, it just happened so fast. Everything was canceled for the rest of the year. And, you know, gosh, we fought so hard to try to keep the company going. You know, we eventually had to lay off everybody because there was no, you know, we were based on doing live presentations. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? Here's the good thing, Chris, is we're going to come back. And, you know, through these, these hard times, through our struggles, we find our strength and we're come back stronger than ever. We started doing um, virtual presentations to schools. You know, like the other day we did 400 students at once. And uh, so it's starting to get back out there. And I hope in September, I'll be able to speak live again and uh, really make an, an impact on students' lives. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is it, does it feel strange doing it virtually, doing it by a computer? Are you still able to get the same sort of reactions and the same sort of participation that you would normally get? Chris, that's a great question. And obviously when you're live, you could see the impact right away, you know, and obviously yeah. when you're speaking into a camera, you know, you don't know, you don't even know if they're even listening at this point, you know, <laughs> but yeah. uh, here's the cool things is that we, we still receive uh, over a hundred messages a week on how the presentation impacted or changed or even saved a student's life. So we know we're still making an impact, but obviously you don't see it firsthand. And I got to tell you the thing I miss the most is the interaction with the students after the presentations, spending yeah. time and, and listening to their stories and, and things that they've gone through in their life or, or you know, uh, whether it's depression or anxiety or things that I shared in my, in my presentation that will help them. Yeah, absolutely. Was, was there anything, any one thing in particular that, that happened in your life that inspired you to, to become a motivational speaker or was it just an accumulation of, of everything that you'd learned and you just wanted to help others or you know it's it's uh funny Chris growing up my dad used to say something I always remember he said you know it doesn't cost anything to be nice to people and of course you don't really yeah. think much about <laughs> that going through life you know but I remember like when I first started speaking I seen the impact and how someone would write and say you changed my life today and and Chris there's no greater joy than helping another person in life you know we all go through stuff Everybody out there that's listening to this has gone through something that has impacted their life and maybe set them off into a horrible bouts of depression or anxiety or, or you know, they've been bullied or abused in their life or, or even suicidal thoughts, you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, whatever, whatever it may be, we've all gone through something that has changed us. But the joy I found in my life that I never really thought about or, or knew to this extent is the joy I get from helping someone else. I mean, wrestling, you get to go out there and entertain people and, and you hear the roar of the crowd, you know, but you, I never felt this, I don't know if you wanna call it a calling in my life, this impact I was able to have by sharing my story. Like we all think, you know, who wants to listen to my story, you know? But you <laughs> never know what something that you've gone, gone through that someone else will be, would benefit from. And then we say, man, if I didn't go through that, I could have never help this person go through with what, with what they're going through right now.
yeah absolutely no it's 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 lovely to see we don't obviously a lot of wrestlers sort of hang up their boots and they go and do a backstage role they go into production they do things like that or they go on to commentary but it's nice to see it's nice to see somebody actually giving back and actually making making a positive impact so i i applaud you and commend you for what you do i think it's incredible i couldn't do it i try and be positive but i don't think i could inspire other people to be positive um but speaking of of positive and positivity i i, I want to move on to wrestling obviously we're, we're a wrestling podcast so um <laughs> We, we know that you spent a lot of time with Dusty Rhodes, an, an incredibly positive man on screen. I think we all have that image of him in our heads of him being bubbly, energetic, friendly and helpful. And we know he did so much for, for the guys down in NXT over the years before he sadly passed away. Um, how I know that he was involved with helping you to evolve the, um, the Johnny B. Bad character. But, but just how hands-on was he? Was it, was he instrumental in bringing that character to life? Did you ever have much much input from Vince McMahon or was it more just you and Dusty? It, Johnny B. Bad was Dusty Rhodes' creation. I mean, when he told me okay. he had this, this character, this gimmick for me, as you know, I was just Mark Merrill back then trying to make break into the business. And when he saw me, he said, I think I got this gimmick. And I want you to, and he shared with me and he says, he said to me, um, did anybody ever tell you, you look like Little Richard? Now, I thought he meant a wrestler named Little Richard, which I'd never heard of, you know? So I said, I yeah. never heard of Little Richard. He goes, you never heard of Little Richard? And he starts singing like, you know, Little Richard song. And they go, oh, the singer, Little Richard. I said, yeah, I, I've never heard that before. And he goes, oh, I think I got a gimmick for you. And the next thing I I, I you know, realized was he, he had this Johnny B. Bad character in mind. And I got to tell you, Chris, it was probably the most fun I ever had in the business when I look back on my career as as the laughter, the joy we had, because here he is teaching this kid from New York to be this flamboyant personality from Macon, Georgia, uh, you know, with this outrageous character. And so he would show me how to walk and talk like what he saw I should do, you know? And I'll never forget when he, the first time he wanted me to walk up to the microphone and he says, you walk up to the microphone and say, I'm so pretty. I should have been born a little girl like that. And, you know, I'd walk up and go, well, I'm so pretty. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. And he kept doing it over and over. And I got to tell you, Chris, we got laughing so hard. We couldn't even, we couldn't finish the, the promo what he was trying to teach me because we were just busting out laughing at you know, this outrageous <laughs> character, you know, I'm a bad man. I'm so outrageous. It's contagious. I love the rock and roll. I strut and stroll. And UK, I'm going to drive you out of control. <laughs> and that's what Dusty Rhodes would work with me on. And the greatest times though, Chris, I mean, I wanna, even when I think about it, you know, I get this joy that just, just overwhelms me sometimes when I think about how blessed I was to work with the American dream because he made my American dream become a reality. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we were all devastated, even just as fans, just, just watching him on the TV because he just always came across as such a, a good person. And you, you hear so much bad about, about wrestlers and their personal lives and what they're like backstage. You, we so, I think that's life in general. You hear more about the bad than you do about the good. And, and Dusty seemed like he just really cared about, about people. Did you... Have you ever spent much time with with his son, with Cody? Did you spend much time with Dustin? What what were they like together? Was there well, a, Cody a... was so much younger with with us than us at that time. I mean, he was still in in school, um, wrestling. You know, um, 
amateur wrestling. He did really well at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I never even, uh, I might've met Cody backstage coming to an event or something, but he was much younger than us at that time. But obviously Dustin, I got to wrestle Dustin many times, whether it was in WCW or WWE and Dustin and I were, were good friends. I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, I really enjoyed, he was a funny guy and he would do anything in that ring. Like, you know, we had to do little different styles and stuff, but he would try anything. Do you, the first time I ever did the move called the wild thing, which is the shooting star press. I was uh, the first one to bring it to WWE and it was at SummerSlam. Now I've never done it before. I've never done it on a person. You know, I've done it off like a diving board into water, you know, but I never did it on a person. And I remember going over the match at SummerSlam. I got this crazy idea to do the wild thing. So I took Dustin aside and I said, Hey, Dustin, this is an idea I had. And he goes, so this is way before the event started. It was during the day, maybe one o'clock. The event wasn't until, you know, 7, 38 o'clock at night or whatever. Yeah. And um, he said, let's go to the ring and, and let me just sh show me what you mean. I go, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw you in the corner. You bounce out. I'm going to put pick up my sh shoulders and Samoan drop you in the corner. I'm going to climb the top rope and I'm going to do this reverse flip on you. I'm open up and land on my hands and my knees. So we'll hit chest to chest. He looked at me like I was crazy. He's going, what? <laughs> I mean, because obviously if you over rotate, your knees could hit their chest and it just shatter yeah. your, your cage. You know, you, it's a really dangerous move to land on someone at that uh, trajectory turning like that, you know? Yeah. And he agreed to do it. Now I've never done it before. And I remember when the spot came up, live pay-per-view you know there's all those fans at the uh it was in indianapolis indiana packed mm -hmm. uh house and i remember climbing to the top rope and i'm going oh my gosh there's no turning back at this point you know <laughs> so i go up to the top rope and i just crank out this 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 move and and landed um landed perfectly you know didn't hurt him didn't hurt me so it worked out perfect and uh i couldn't thank him enough because then once you know once Vince saw that I would do that movie he goes, Oh, that's going to be your finishing move. The bad thing about it is now you're doing it every night, like at house shows <laughs> and landing yeah. on your knees every single time. Cause you don't want to hurt the, the guy that you're yeah. laying at. So you're laying on your hands and knees and your knees take so much trauma, you know, with that trajectory and turn, you know, landing on the, on the mat like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think Dustin is, Another one of those guys, I think he's obviously got that from his dad, from Dusty, because we've seen him doing it in AEW now, haven't we, over the last couple of years. He's still competing at a really high level, higher than I think anybody expected him to be in, in his 50s. And he's giving back to the industry just as much as, as Dusty did with NXT, and it's it's so good to see. Um, right, let's go back a little bit. Obviously, you were a big part of the Attitude Era, a big part of the Monday Night Wars. But you were one one of a number of talents who moved from WCW over to WWF, sort of more towards the end, for the, the the latter stages of the the wars and the Attitude Era. But but what was it like for you personally moving basically over to the enemy? Um, how how did that go down amongst the guys in WCW? What was it like coming into a brand new locker room, coming from the enemy? Well, anyone that was a, a true friend in the business was really happy for you because it was all about, um, you know, moving on with your career and going as far as you can go. And, you know, when, even when I was in WCW, I realized that to go to the dance, WrestleMania was the dance. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. When you think yeah. of the biggest matches in your career is going to be at WrestleMania, you know? Yeah. So I didn't cool. feel like my career would, would really 
have meant as much if I didn't get to wrestle at WrestleMania, you know? So, you know, three years prior to me signing with Vince, um, he flew me into um, Stanford, Connecticut, where he lives. And I had dinner at his house with his family. And the only reason we couldn't come to terms with him when my first contract was up was WCW is because he wouldn't give me a guaranteed contract where I had that at WCW. So when my contract came up three years later, he said to me, what is it going to take to get you here? And I said, Vince, this is what I want. And I, I laid it out. I said, I want a guaranteed contract where they, where they bumped up every year, you know, with at least a $50,000 bump every single year. I want a, si a big signing bonus. And um, I want my, uh, my ex-wife Sable time to travel with me wherever I go. Yeah. And he agreed to those terms. So I was the first wrestler to get a guaranteed contract at WWF. I mean, um, Stone Cold and Mick Foley went just weeks before me and they got what they called an opportunity, you know, and, and I'm, yeah. you know, Mick has, Mick has talked about that, that, uh, you know, when he met with Vince, how Vince said, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And then a couple weeks later, Mark Merrill comes in and gets this big guaranteed contract, <laughs> you know, but you really think yeah. about it, how it opened the doors for everybody to get him after me. You know, so yeah. it was a yeah, yeah. it was a blessing in disguise that maybe people that looked at it at the time like were upset about it, but you look at it now, it's like everybody's getting guaranteed contracts now, or most people are, anyways. Um, yeah. So, anyways, he gave me those things I wanted, and then I got to go, you know, obviously to WrestleMania, and I got to do all the things I wanted to do, and I finished my career uh, pretty much there. I went to TNA for a little while after that, and XWF with Hulk Hogan. Uh, but um, then shortly retired, and uh, my last match was was uh, 2006. Hmm. So, so you you mentioned that that it might have upset some people. Did you ever see any of that backstage? Did you get any heat when you first came in? Did it rub anybody up the wrong way? You know, no one ever came personally up to me and said, you know, I, I can't believe that you got this or you're upset. But there was a, you, you yeah. could tell there was a lot of animosity towards it. You know, and and, and, and the people were upset with Vince too because. Um, you know, he, he gave out, he, he opened that door. He, they never wanted to do what WCW was doing. You know, they always, you know, because it was, people really wanted to go to the WBF, but, but since I got that guaranteed contract, it really opened the doors for everyone to get it. And, um, um, you know, and then I signed another three-year deal after that, after my first three-year deal was up, I signed another three-year deal. And 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 had a, and walked away with guaranteed money on the line. I just walked away. I had enough of uh, wrestling at that time and uh, moved on in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember you. Obviously, I know WrestleMania. The, the opportunity to go to WrestleMania was a big reason for wanting to leave WCW. But there was also, am I right in thinking that you you weren't happy with 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 the angles that you were in towards the end of your time in WCW? Kimberly Page and with. Oh, you know, you know, and then obviously it's great to straighten out any type of rumors. I mean, people are going to say a lot yeah. of things, you know, but um, yeah. when, when they put me with Kimberly, um, I didn't really need a manager. So it's been, I mean, it took Teddy long away from me, which was a great mix, Teddy and I, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And when they took me away and they put me with Kimberly, I just didn't feel as great mix. But the reason why that, that upset me when I say upset, not upset me, um, I just went and had a meeting about it. Just asked um, Eric. See, at the time, my daughter was, I think she was like eight years old, you know, mm -hmm. and I, maybe even younger. Um, and she'd see me on TV with another girl and she would think that mom and dad are getting divorced and really affect her, you know. So not out of and not like threatening or anything like that. I just went and asked, can we not have me be with I didn't Johnny B. I was so over with the 
confetti gun, the Frisbee and all the crazy outrageous stuff that I didn't need another piece or manager with me, you know, although Kimberly was great. Don't get me wrong. And she's a wonderful person and we're friends to this day. Uh, but it, I just asked that they didn't do that. Then it became this whole uh, thing about, you know, uh, about God and stuff. And, and it was really more about my daughter just, you know, was really upset and it affected her, man. You know, she thought, she really thought daddy was leaving mommy because he's with a different girl and stuff, but you know, it's just a little kid at the time. So it was, uh, I just asked for her to change it and they made, everything was made a big deal out of it. And at that same time, my contract was coming up. So I just, uh, and you know what? We, we were almost worked out where I would have stayed at WCW if Vince did not right. give me that guaranteed contract and a yeah. big signing bonus to go over there. It really helped out, you know, financially it was, it was an amazing deal. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. No, yeah. And, and who would ever think, you know, that my my wife, which was Reno, who became Sable, you know, at that time would become a big star also, you know, also at, at W, bigger yeah. star than I was even, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, speak, speaking of Sable, obviously she was she was a massive part of, of, of that, that era and that, that time period. Um, big part of my childhood growing up, and I'm sure you won't mind me saying, obviously as a young boy, I enjoyed seeing Sable on the TV. I think a lot of young boys and teenage boys were the same. Um, how, how did you feel personally, if you don't mind saying that? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How did you feel about her doing the, doing the work for Playboy? Because she, she went to Playboy a few times, obviously, I know WWE must have had some sort of deal with Playboy because a few of the girls went over there over the coming years. Sable sort of really kick-started that, I would say. Um, how, as her husband, working there with her, how, how did you feel? Were you okay with her doing Playboy or was it very much a... Well, a at, the time, it was a, it, it, at the time, it was in a, um, a discussion that her and I had that we decided to do that. You know, it was a... Oh, right, okay. I, a horrible decision. You know, you look back on life, you say, oh my gosh, what was I thinking, you know? Yep. But, time, uh, you know, what's done is done. You move on, you, you you make mistakes in lives and hopefully those mistakes become learning experiences and uh, it was not a good decision to make uh, for our, our life, our marriage, our family and everything else. And next thing you know, we're, we're, you know, at the Playboy parties all the time with Hugh Hefner. Uh, yeah. We even got, we eventually got a apartment not in Studio City, right in Hollywood. And it was just not a good time in our lives. Um, yeah. But anyways, you know, he, you know, Chris, and the, the thing was, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bitter all, at all because I'm not. Um, all the paths I took in life, good and bad, they led me to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't be more content or happier in my life. I mean, obviously, when you talk about these things, you rehash memories and things you went through at that time, you know, but all those different paths I took, you know, um, making mistakes and, 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 and thank God they became learning experiences in my life. And I feel like I'm a better yeah. person because of 
those decisions and choices I made back then uh, yeah. that I've learned from and, and grown from and can only maybe help or steer other people in the right direction. Yeah. Well, like you say, it's, it's, it's not about the mistakes you make. It's how you, you get back up from them. It's how you get back up when you're not knocked, knocked down. Um, and I think a lot, a lot more people should, should learn from that. I know that I don't, I like to dwell on the past and the bad things that have happened. Um, what was Hugh Heffler like? I didn't even think of this until you just mentioned his name. What was Hugh like? Did you, did you meet him? Oh, absolutely. Yes. M many times. Uh, yeah, we went to the, the Midsummer Night Dreams party. We went to, uh, I think it was a movie night. We went to the Halloween parties. We, you know, we were at a lot of functions for him. I mean, her, her magazine, I think at the time was the fastest selling in Playboy history. So it was a big deal for Playboy and they treated her really well. And obviously they treated me real well because I was married to her. So it was, uh, you know, it was like, uh, you know, you go out there and they, they, they just treated you great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's very much the the Vince McMahon of <laughs> of Playboy. You you sort of picture them two hanging out together, and it would be uh, crazy. Um, right. So th this is a little bit of a, a touchy subject, I think, but it's it's something that I'm personally really keen to know about. Um, you were wrestling at a time, sort of like the mid to late '90s, where where steroids were were a big big talking point, a big con controversy going around at that time. And I know that you've in the past admitted that you were taking um anabolic steroids and, and there'd been drug use so so I'm, I'm not not trying to bring up the past in regards to that at all but um obviously vince mcmahon went on trial in 1994 there was allegations that he'd been supplying his wrestlers with drugs um i know you weren't in wwf at the time uh, you joined a few years after that i think four years after um was, was there ever much of a, a drug culture in wcw that you, that you saw or that you knew of because Obviously, one of the main people named in that trial was Hulk Hogan, former WCW, went back to WWF. So was was there ever anything like that that, that you saw? You know, drugs were never like open the locker room or something like that. You know, it was very, you know, you right. had your certain friends that you talked to about certain things, you know, and I really can only speak about what I was able to do and what I did. Um, you know, yeah. and it's it wasn't just so much steroids. It was the pain medication that many guys got on and then hooked on uh, many of the yeah. guys that died was a, a lethal combination of different drugs that were found in their system um i have overdosed on drugs before and i made some horrible make mistakes with 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 steroids and drugs and then mixing things and going out and partying a lot and it, it was just a you know and, and then after I got out of wrestling is when I really, after went through my divorce with, with uh, Sable, my life spiral, spiraled out of control, you know, and I made some horrible decisions. But the one thing I'm so proud of, you know, is I have not touched a drug since 2003. So okay. I'm, you know, 18 years that I've not touched a drug. And, um, yeah. and of course, it's part of our, our, our company is the champion of choices where we go out and, and help uh, young people not make those decisions in life. Uh, life is so beautiful, man. Life is so, I'm so content and so happy in life. I, I, and I think, I think God has really blessed me. And I think if I ever, you know, disrespected him and, and took drugs, I believe it'd be the end of Mark Merrill. I really do. So I'm, I'm very happy and I, I hope I can uh, help somebody else out there that's going through, you know, their, their own 
addiction and things because I, I did drugs for many, many years and it's never too late to start over and stop and get on, you know, get, get your life back together. Uh, I really didn't think I'd be able to, but man, I tell you something, once I, um, I, I just made that decision that I just wanted to live. I wanted to, to make a difference. I didn't want my, I didn't want my, my death being from drugs. You know, anyone people go, Oh, yeah. Mark Merrill died of drugs. You know, what a, what a terrible legacy to leave. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look at the legacy. Like you say, the legacy that you've built since is incredibly impressive and it's, you know, it, it matters. It, it means something. Um, and, and you say that you're content now. And honestly, as, as a fan of yours, it's beautiful to see you. Just when you talk, I can see how passionate you are, how happy you are. You just seem to have sort of found peace and it's, it's lovely to see. Um, let's, let's, let's make things a bit, a bit brighter. Let's move away from all, all the dark side of things. Um, I know obviously you, you had a long career. You, you wrestled for a few different promotions. What were some of your, your personal like, favourite opponents, favourite matches? Is there, is there any, I know you've, you've been to WrestleMania, but is there any one match or feud that stands out above the rest? There's a, you know, the, the blessing I had was wrestling guys like um, uh, Steve Austin and um, Triple H, because we were in WCW together and WWF together. So I wrestled those guys well over 100 times, you know, and uh, working with those guys. But some of my favorite matches, uh, gosh, I um, uh, fall brawl with Brian Pillman, and I think it was 95 was mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Um even though I lost Stone Cold and King of the Ring was a, was a, was a favorite match of mine. Yeah. Um, uh, some matches with Triple H and of course my buddy uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, that guy brought it every time we wrestled. I mean, it was like it was as close to being in a real fight as possible, <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> he just worked so hard and, and, yeah. and fun because he was so passionate about having a good match, like. Even though we may be opening match on the pay-per-view, he's like, we're going to make it the best. And we worked <laughs> so hard to try that. We went to wrestling. We, we'd go to the power plant together to practice with each other, you know? And, uh, and of course, to this day, we're such good friends. I live real close to him. So we see each other and I do his DDPY, the yoga and stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, in fact, I'll probably see him next day or two. Uh, we're, we're getting together with our, our, our girlfriends and go out and do something. But uh, he was fun to work with, man. And, and, and let me share a quick story with you. Was that uh, we were getting ready for a, a pay-per-view. And like I said, he was really passionate about putting together these, these amazing matches. Because let's say they'd only give us 12 minutes because it's an opening match or something. He goes, yeah. I don't want to put 12 minutes. I want to put 50 minutes into 12 minutes. Type <laughs> thing, you know? And we'd work at the power plant and, you know, we'd spend quite a few hours at the power plant, you know, going over matches and moves and stuff. And we were coming with some different stuff. It was really cool. And I'll never forget. I'm sound asleep and the phone rings. It was like two or three in the morning. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, who could be calling me at this hour? You know, and I lean over, I get the phone. I go, hello. He goes, Batman DDP. I go, Hey, well, what's up? What's up, man? Are you okay? He goes, oh yeah, yeah. Listen, I was thinking about that one spot we're gonna do, you know, where I throw you off and you duck the clothesline. I'm like, what? And he goes, he goes, I got a whole new scenario to that. And I'm thinking to myself, I go, and I look, I go, Dallas, it's it's three o'clock in the morning. He goes, I know, man, I couldn't sleep. I got, I had to talk to you. <laughs> that's, that's how passionate that guy is. Yeah. And that's why you get, you get I, that energy from him, don't you? When you see him, you know on what? Anything, he's he hears so the cool passionate. thing. 
me and him, you know, there's an old saying, you know, people do, do people like to see you come into the room or leave the room, you know? Cool. And I always hope that when I walk into a room, I could brighten it or help someone. And Dell's, we, we couldn't be more alike in that area. We love helping people, you know, but yeah. we also help each other. You know, we are, if, if he's going through something, I, I know I'll get a phone call or if I, he's the first guy that I could talk to if I ever had an issue or something, I want to run by him or something, you know, we're that kind of friend where you have, man, it's hard to find that, that type of person yeah. in life. It's hard to find that type of person and to maintain it as well and to keep it going as long as you guys have, especially, especially in this kind of business. Um, I'm wondering why did you why did you spend so little time in TNA? You didn't really wrestle there for very long, did you? Was it was it just because you were on your way, sort of like spiraling down out of the business? Yeah, you know what? It was they didn't they didn't give me a a, the, the, a deal that I wanted. Uh, they gave me it was like a per night thing, and I and I didn't really because then you're like, are you staying? Are you going? Are they really going to include you in good storylines? And I already been through all the political BS from the other two organizations. And I yeah. guess I was just burned out, man. You know, just like, ah, who cares, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I decided that uh, that would be my my last matches. And that was okay. It was no never hard feelings. Um, um, you know, the, the people that ran the place, we, we got along great. And there's never nothing bad, you know? Yeah. Do you do you keep up to date on, on what's happening in the industry now? Or are you just too busy with with what you're doing outside of wrestling it's it's kind of funny because i i don't watch it as much not not, nothing good or bad it's just that i've been just crazy busy you know i spent a lot of time um answering messages from from people that write to me so i don't watch it as much but you know what's really cool it's because i i do um uh ddpy the yoga a lot of times i'll have some of the guys over from from aew you know and we'll Mm. work out together and stuff like i'll give you an example um um, a couple months ago, he had Darby Allen with us, you know, and Darby mm-hmm. came in. And I, I never saw him wrestle. I didn't even know who he, who he was at that time, you know, but he was such a good guy. I mean, we worked out together. We had fun, me, him, DDP, a couple other guys, and and we were just killing it, man, you know. And, I, and uh, so DDP goes, you ever see this crazy man wrestle? I go, I never saw him wrestle. So while we, after, after we got done finish, he pulled up some videos on his phone and I just go, oh my gosh, you are going to need DDPY yoga for a long time, <laughs> you know, but then I, it, it really interested me because I wanted to see, you know, his matches. So I would tune into AEW to see him and, oh my gosh, you know, that this guy, he's one of those guys that could take a beating and keep on, keep on going, you know, it's just an yeah. amazing, but he's, he's entertaining and that's, what's fun, you know? Yeah. And then, um, um, recently we just had dinner. I, we had, we had a, I, I, I went to a surprise party for DDP's birthday and, uh, I think his name is Anthony Agogo from AEW. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, from the UK. Yeah. You know? What a yeah. great guy. I mean, we, me yeah. and him hit it off. Cause I was, I was a, a boxer. I was in the U S team at one time and yeah. he was yeah. you know, obviously the UK uh, team and, and fought in the Olympics and everything. So we had so much camaraderie and so much interest in each other's stuff. And of course he knew me from wrestling and, and so I wanted to see him on television. So I tuned in and make sure I watched it. And uh, he's doing really well too. I mean, he's got yep. a great presence on on television. And and this was so cool. So we get to hang out and work out and stuff. And um, uh, look forward to seeing those guys all the time. Yeah, they're absolutely the future of the business. Still nice and young, like you say. They've got the look. Good-looking guys. They can do everything. Darby Allen, like you say, he's going to need DDP yoga for a long time. But he um, he's. Sort of like a modern day Jeff Hardy or a bit of a Shane McMahon as well. He just 
gives everything that he can every he time he's on yeah. TV. And, and you know, it's like Ray Mysterio, you know, because he was so small that yeah. when people could pick him up and just throw him like into a turnbuckle or a, a post or outside the ring. And Darby's experiencing the same thing because he's a smaller guy that, that you know, to it's the, the David versus Goliath matches all the time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna round this off with just just something that's just popped into my head now. I know obviously you're a super super busy man. You're doing hopefully getting back out on the road to to start doing your your speaking in person again. If if there was ever any offer from from WWE from AEW, obviously you know some guys there. Would would, would there be anything that could tempt you back into the business? Maybe a producer role or agents, anything like that? Because obviously you've got so much knowledge and so much experience would you want to give back to the future of wrestling chris you know i i never say never because every time i say that i'll never (laughs) you know it's like something will come up you know and and i I gotta tell you what's so crazy is um um july 9th i have my 61st birthday okay so to commemorate my 61st birthday i'm going to um lake lanier here in georgia and my brother has a boat, he has, he has a uh, lake house there and their boat deck is two stories tall. So it's, it's up there, you know? And I'm gonna go to the top of that boat deck. Now I haven't done the wild thing or the marrow salt or some of those moves <laughs> I used to do off the top rope in, in over 20 years. And for my birthday, I'm gonna nail them off that, that deck, okay? <laughs> but, um, because I feel great, I, you know what, if, if someone, if I didn't know I would be 61, I swear I feel like I'm 30. I mean, my mind is so quick and my body's in great shape. Um, you know, I got abs at my age, so I'm in really good condition. So I could actually, and oh, before I, I say that, I want to just say this, is that my buddy DDP went out and wrestled uh, just a little, I think it was a little over a year ago where he came off the top turnbuckle onto a bunch of wrestlers. And I said, that son of a gun. See, me and him are so competitive (laughs) with each other, okay? So when I saw that, I said, geez, I'm probably not that (laughs) bad. (laughs) So I would do something crazy like that. But, uh, you you know, uh, we'll see if there's an opportunity that presents itself. I certainly (laughs) would look at it. Um, with open eyes and who knows, man, you know, I'm, like I said, I, I just, I just really, I hit the ground running every day. I get up at five, five 30 in the morning. I hit the ground running, man. I'm just like excited about every day having stuff to do. Um, and I want to have a, you know, obviously a more of a presence in the speaking arena. Once we, we can get back out there, um, live again, that's not, and, oh, and I'm working on possibly coming to the UK. We've, we were, we're, oh, wow. we've been having discussions about it and we were going to come and obviously with COVID it took everything away. But now that uh, once you guys get back open, we, there are some people that want to bring me over to speak at schools and stuff. And man, I just would love to come back to the UK in a different realm, not as a wrestler, but as a speaker and really inspire a lot of people out there. There's so many good people. We get so many messages from people from the UK um, I would be honored to go there again. When was the last time you were here? Was, was it back when you were wrestling? Have you not had a chance? Yeah, my last wrestling match was with uh, Capital Carnage with uh, WWF, and that was, uh, I believe, 1998 was hmm. the last time I was in the UK. Oh, wow. 
but wow, been, been there many times. I mean, I, I used to love, obviously the, the fans are the best over there. So going over yeah. there, we always knew that we have uh, great, uh, you know, matches and, and great shows. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I think I think I speak for everybody. If you do the wild thing off the top deck, we want to see it recorded and we want it on YouTube because I I want to see that. I want to see that. <laughs> here's the funny thing: is I'm not going to do a warm up. Okay, we already, we already had this planned out. My brother, my brother went and learned how to use a drone. Okay, because we're going to do it. I'm, you'll see, I'll be dry. I, I will be standing on that deck, and the first one I do is the one is the one that we're filming because I I don't want no practice. <laughs> Especially if I mess up. If I do, if I mess up live, maybe it'll go viral. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I really, I really want to just go out there. And it's like when I did it at SummerSlam. Remember, I never did it before. Okay, and doing it on a on a on a person is even scarier because you don't, you don't want to hurt the person you're you're doing it with. But the worst case scenario, I I might land on a fish. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, man. I hope to see it. I hope to see it. Um. Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a privilege. Um, where where can we find you on social media? Where can we find your, your motivational speaking? Well, uh, for that, you know, go to go to my YouTube page, which is, you know, youtube.com and forward slash the Mark Merrow. And Mark is M-A-R-C-M-E-R-O. And of course, uh, just type my name into Facebook or Twitter. It's at Mark Merrow. You, you could catch me there. Um, I would love to hear from the UK fans. It's always a joy to hear from people from another country and uh, you guys rock over there. And I hope to Thank see you. you guys soon in person someday. Yeah, absolutely, you. absolutely. We would love to have you back here. Um, that's it then. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Thank you for joining us and, and watching the episode. Sorry, it was a bit of a weird one without Carl being here. He'll be back next time. Um, you can find us at all the usual places. Facebook, all the different social medias, YouTube, it's our house pod. I'm at PWCDs. Once again, Mark, thank you so much. Privilege to talk to you. Chris, you did a great job. And I just want to say, <laughs> God bless the UK. God bless America. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, guys. Take care.